Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Perry, you were right to hold this up. Okay. I was going to bring a stand, but this allows for I, more I'm of a... I'm one of those guys that I'm, I always hold my mic. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Cool. Well, here we are. Yeah. As a cultural figure, you're obviously intrinsically linked to the West Coast of America, to the LA rock scene. Obviously, Sunshine Surf is mm-hmm. very much your character, your soul. Um, but you were born and raised in Queens, and I wanted yes. to know whether you still identified with, with that kid and with that part of your life and with that geographical and cultural landscape you know who i what i identify more than anything is i think of myself as a globalist a humanitarian a goodwill ambassador that uh i'm definitely not a nationalist although i love america um but i really feel that these days to think be so small-minded as to think of um, yourself as a nationalist as opposed to a, an idealist at the very least is very short-sighted and uneducated and unaware. We're living in crazy times. Yes. Aren't we? Yes. And, and I really feel like it's the people that have the small-mindedness to think that they're going to put up borders and put up walls <clears throat> it's the last. W- it's the last thing we should be thinking. 
we've got to be thinking outside of our boundaries of our back of our own backyard because as an example one thing that can go wrong is uh, greenhouse effect on the environment right if you're not considering the atmosphere that over the ocean that affects the water in the air another thing that is affects us I mean when I say us I mean the, the entire world is um, the the idea that people would be coming in uh, as immigrants into into your uh, country if you're not thinking about their country and why it is that they have to come in stampede into your own country with nothing like with, with no nothing. hope no promise of a right. secure future of right. any kind they're essentially running for their lives yeah and those that want to find a better world well that's okay that's what my great grandparents did too but if you're not trying to help them and help where they're where they're from you have to be considerate of it you can't just like shut them out thinking that that's you know going to be uh, putting up a wall are you kidding me you don't think people can scale your silly walls a fascinating thing for me about you is that you clearly do care about the world and you know it's not just about music and art and the joy that these things bring but it's about the bigger picture but those um, but those things are all i'm playing to my audience is it's a global audience you know that's maybe why i think about it so much as i want to go to i mean here i am in london i want to make the people in london happy and i want to go into the middle east and i want to make them happy and i want to go into india and make them happy i want to the you know my audience is a global audience i'm not a politician who's a president of some place you know what i mean or the dictator of some place i'm i'm an entertainer and so my job is to make everybody happy and i have no borders business is booming and business is booming around the world <laughs> yeah for lollapalooza and they need and it right Heaven, now people and do they don't need they? it they do need it as as the awareness of a need for that increased more with age for you or is it something you've always been driven by from it from a young age well it's got the power of art the power of music yeah. the healing qualities that it can well i'm glad that i lasted 60 years so far because it does it really really gives me insight and a widening perspective of the world that i didn't have you know when i started out i was just a kid and i didn't know how big it was going to become how how far we were going to reach but now that we're and it's interesting as i go i add ideas it's kind of like i travel through time i pick up uh ways you know ways and means to operate as i go and so people are going like did you know that you were going to be doing this around the world and no of course not who would think that you know what i mean i wasn't i wasn't um that's what i'm looking for i wasn't raised like you know michael jackson to to do this a born star uh, yeah i wasn't a born star i had i had a, an innate uh, ability to entertain people but i was 
certainly not thinking I was going to become what I've become. You know, as I say, as I say, as things go, I pick, I look around and pick up things along my journey that will come in handy in the future. That's how I do it. So I'm, I'm constantly setting. I have a ten-year arc at this point because I've gotten this far and I've got all these utilities now that I can utilize in the future. But, um, you know, I'm not brazen enough to say to you that, yep, of course I knew I'd be doing all this. No, I, I'm actually a subculturist. I'm not a pop icon by any means. You know, I, I resisted being involved in uh, pop culture. But now I feel like, you know what? Pop culture could actually use some help. I think so more than ever. Yeah. And it's funny because there is so much going on in the world, and yet the artists that are mainstream, if you will, don't seem to be Yeah, they're saying afraid anything. to stick their head why up. Do you th why do you think that is? Because it's, it's difficult to know how to navigate around being an entertainer and uh, being a humanitarian and being uh, an out, outspoken um, environmentalist, or, as I say, humanitarian, how to mix all that. And, you know, people get afraid if they're going to speak out that there will also be, there'll be adversity and people speaking up against you. But the way to do it is you have to be just informed and you have to be uh, yeah, educated. So you don't have to go to Harvard, but you do need to read, read books and um, keep yourself informed on what's going on. So as an example, if you were going to go against me right now and say there's no such thing as uh, global warming, Without having to you know, pick a fight, I could sit you down and explain to you how, yes, there very much is global warming, and this is what we need to do about it. In rational, In a informed. rational, informed discussion, without, without and, and I would not come at you with hatred or uh, aggression. Or aggression. I would come at you with kindness, loving kindness, and education. That's what I've done the last 35 years because that's I started entertaining people 35 years ago and I took my time. I didn't rush in there and corner myself into being this silly pop icon uh, that's looking to you know not ruffle feathers. No, I think there's a bigger calling in my case, and I think in everybody's case, we should all be, we should not let the powers that be, these autocrats, these strongmen, no, the world should not let them get away with it. On because I would tell you, if they were going in the right direction, fine, lead us there. But they're not leading us in a good direction. They're leading us in a direction where they're buddies and they, they can make money but in the meantime, they're destroying the environment. They're not looking out for the poor or the weary. They're not looking out for uh, um, 
you know, women, women's rights. They're looking to make money with their oil friends, and they're looking to make money with their, I don't know, who, who their damn friends are. They're not my friends, obviously. <laughs> you know, my friends are the common man, the working class. And I also have rich friends, and they're good people too. So it's, I'm not exactly against the rich. I'm against the autocrats. I'm against the people that would destroy the environment. And I'm against people that try to repress the poor. I think you lived through it, didn't you? You lived not just through the music industry, but politics. You lived through that time when both those domains were taken over and infiltrated by accountants, businessmen. Yeah. It almost did change yeah, overnight, it came didn't it? during my lifetime. That's yeah. right. And so I'm not going to let it happen again. And I think that the good news is that I can see a way through this. I think that if we hang on to ourselves by 2030, things are going to be great. By 2050, I probably won't be around, but it's going to be really good. So There's you're still an optimist? I am totally an optimist. If I wasn't, I would just off myself. But I don't do it because I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about my children's future. And, and I'm not going to die just laying, laying, sitting back and letting the likes of Donald Trump and his buddies take this world over. I'm, and I'm also not alone. Well, I'm sure you read the news. If you haven't, our new prime minister has just been announced today yeah, as we sit and talk. I'm sorry. And the reaction, sorry the reaction online that I've just witnessed on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere seems to be uproar, anger, disappointment, sadness. How did he win? <sighs> I don't know. Like, how did... I'm asking a really good direct question here because how Donald Trump wins is there's something called in our country gerrymandering. Right. He's main, named after this fellow. I think his name might have been Jerry, Jerry Mander, something like that. It's it's kind of uh, an arcane kind of um, trippy uh, title for. Basically, what they do is they they the voting they try to box off. Uh, the voting so that the Republicans get votes. It's something called electoral electoral college electoral. So it's basically, as an example, if, if we were a state, the Republicans box off where uh, the most amount of people are that are Republican, and then the votes is not exactly, they don't win the most amount of votes from the people, all added up. It's not, they don't win. So the it's not actually a victory in terms of voting numbers. Exactly. It's the way they stack those numbers. It's the way they stack those numbers. They go to where the Republicans are voting, and then they say, okay, these people, because we can't have, um, as an example, in a place like Montana, where there aren't that many people, they say it's not fair that they get um, to to count the votes. Um, 
in a place that it doesn't have as many people, even though it's a state, your vote is not going to all added up, the electoral, the college electoral. We're going to just say that uh, we're going to give you a certain amount of votes. But because you don't have as many people and you certainly don't have as many Republicans. Yeah, that's the, that's the key point, isn't it? Right. So that's how they do it, and it it is not a law that should continue on. And we're working, when I say we, the rest of the people, the the working class, the the, uh, Democrats, are trying to do away with the college electoral and gerrymandering. But this is something that they've been doing forever. Yeah. So they basically rig the election. That's how they get away with it, isn't it? It's because yes. it is confusing. It's and... fatiguing. It's confusing. And they're hoping that the working class doesn't understand it or figure it out or is not going to pass any laws that would stop them. But here's the good news, and this is why I'm inspired. The Internet gives you the ability to let everybody know this is what's going on truly. You have to vote, even though you might say, well, you know, I don't know these people. I don't I don't think they're great, so I'm not going to vote. But I'm going to let you know now over the Internet, this is what's going to happen if you don't vote. And this is how they do it. And so we have to pass laws so that they can't do it again. So even the, the common man, I, I say I call them the, the simple man. I'll consider myself in part a simple man. Because what you want is basic. It's it's basic. Unity, it's human rights. Equality. For everyone, yes. It's equality. Um, I want everyone to thrive. And I do, and then when I say that, I don't want I don't want those rich people, the, the um, power companies. I don't want them to suffer. If they can figure it a good way that we can all have energy at a much reduced rate um then if your business is is such is as such then we'll go to your business but if we can find better ways of powering the world like solar power like uh wind power like the taurus do you know what the taurus is no a taurus is a a um a device it's very interesting you should spread this information Let's do it now, Perry. The, yes, the Taurus is a device that has been uh, on uh, it's been on sacred sacred uh, um, temples. Has shown the, the Taurus, but it was a two dimensional figure, and then people have taken this two dimensional figure of the Taurus, turned it into a three dimensional object, and found. Do you have a, a cell phone? Yeah. That can get on. Look at the, type in Taurus and type in the movie Thrive. Oh, uh, I've got no signal down there. Of course I have. Oh, okay. We can do it later. Have you got any? There we go. So we got a backup device, phone. <laughs> the Taurus. You're online, yeah? When they took the Taurus. Um, what was the movie name? Sorry, Perry. Called Thrive. There's a comp- there's a company called Procter and Gamble. This fellow, Mr. Gamble, he is the son of Procter and Gamble. They make 
They make products, uh, pharmaceutical products, Procter & Gamble. Anyway, The Sun made a movie called Thrive, and it's all about this Taurus. And this Taurus is, is you can turn this Taurus into Yeah, it's on a YouTube. Device. People can find it. Thrive Full Movie. It's just available yes. to watch on YouTube. You can turn this device into a, it can drive your home. The, the power and the energy of your home. But, but um, the, uh, you know, the gas, energy the oil, those guys are those like, those companies uh -uh, do not, not want us to know about this. Did this. becoming a parent make you a lot more aware of all this stuff because you worry about the future for your children? Yes. Yeah? And also, I'm for the people. And, it, you know, I, uh, I consider myself a goodwill ambassador of the world. As I say, if somebody can come up with a company that makes the Taurus for home use, the way that somebody came up with the uh, making solar wind, uh, solar energy, those panels, the slots on the I roof, have them yeah. on my house. Yeah. So I will be happy to look at your company and look at it as a, a viable option for how you know driving the energy of my house so there's there's this device that's out there right now but of course you know exxon and mobile and these companies they're not going to want you to know about this but the word's getting out anyway because of the internet and we are coming to a time when they can't hide this information anymore you know, they can kill off a few, but still the word is out. It's yeah. already out. It's gotten out. And it's gotten out through our cell phone, through our internet, through our home computer, through our laptop. And so we might as well, the same thing with, you know, migrants. They're coming to America. They're coming to Italy. They're coming around the world because they, they know the word is out. You know, it's a... You can have a, a great life if you come to America. And, and places like, I don't know, El Salvador, Guatemala, um, where are the places that are, that are right now repressed, where the people are leaving and trying to get into America, they're trying to get into Italy, Syria. I mean, Syria's the big one, yeah. Yeah, Syria's the big one, but it's all over the place, Sudan. Well, I read People, that when Jane's got back together originally, yeah. you did that Jubilee tour. Yeah. And you raised something amazing like $120,000 to, to $100, free slaves in Sudan, right? $120,000. And I went into Sudan, and I bought the, the freedom of... I was an abolitionist. Uh, I went there... So you literally bought slaves to free them? I did, but work? what yeah. I did was I did a tour, and I did just a dollar surcharge on all the tickets... Then I went into Sudan. I met with slave owners. I uh, transferred the money into Sudanese currency. And I was dealing with dudes that had machine guns. No doubt. I laid down my stacks of cash on blankets with hippopotamuses in the river. I would cross the river and meet up. And there were people that were of human bondage. And... I did. I bought their freedom, but then I returned them to their villages. I and I brought some 
on a um what is it called um in the colleges when you a scholarship i gave some of them scholarships into america and um but the rest of them i obviously I just gave their the, freedom which is yeah, yeah everything isn't it yeah what an amazing thing to do yeah i want to do it again and when you have that platform and that power and yeah put it to we good did use it through right? music the power yeah. of music when you went out as a kid on the Greyhound coach to California, like so, you, you know, many young dreamers do, did you know you were going there to try and pursue a, a path in music, or no. were you just going to no. figure out life? I wanted to surf. Right. Surfing in California, I wanted to surf. That was the sole goal. Yeah. And you lived on the beach for years, right, before yep. any form of yeah. success found you. Well, yeah. Yeah, I was an artist, so I would I was doing graphic art for for people, for magazines, freelance, and I can also design jewelry. So I designed jewelry for um, custom jewelry houses that were along the coast. That's how I made my living. And then I um, I did um, I was a framer, a carpenter. I I built. Um, uh, track homes and banks and everything uh, up in Hemet, which is not far from Coachella, the high desert in yeah, California. Yeah. And then I waited tables and I bust tables and washed dishes and laid pipes and uh, a lot of hard. Some other things I'm you know hard not work. too crazy about <laughs> admitting, but you did what you did to get by. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a picture of Frank Sinatra out there, and mm -hmm. I was reading in um, a book about you guys that, am I right in saying this? You mm -hmm. would start out performing by kind of doing like these impersonations of people yeah, like my Bowie original, and Jagger. And... So how I got into show business <laughs> was I was, a liquor, I was a liquor delivery distributor. And so I would drive around in a van with liquor, and I would de deliver it to like liquor stores and nightclubs so i i was doing one delivery in um, newport beach waiting to sign off for the del delivery of the liquor and this woman asked me if i was a model right and so because i was watching Cause you're in la right so you got to be yeah <laughs> well see uh, just like this bar right here if there would be a, a tv ob over the bar right so I was watching this modeling show above the bar. It was maybe like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. The doors hadn't opened. I was making my delivery. The woman walked up to me, and she ended up to be the woman that um, she said, do you know, do you model? I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> I model. I'm an actor. I can sing and dance. I can do it all, right? So she said, why don't you come back? Um, we do these modeling shows that you're watching. And I said, well, you know, that's pretty cool. But I can do uh, something for your show. I can, I can impersonate Frank Sinatra or David Bowie or Mick Jagger. And uh, she said, all right, cool. So I started, that's what I did. I modeled, but I, I pumped up her show. I was doing Bowie impersonations and Jagger and Frank Sinatra, you know. And, you know, it ended up to be, you'll find that um, modeling agencies sometimes, they're kind of like, 
they're kind of pimping you out yeah. too. So that happened briefly with my girlfriend. We would go out, um, you know, in Newport Beach on the yachts and their parties. <laughs> um, but from there, um, there was a guy who was, uh, he was, he was looking for models. This guy, Tony Rizzo, he was a photographer who also um, had a stable of young guys and got me into onto like some soap operas doing like bit parts on soap operas and uh he was my man he was managing me and that didn't last very long but it got me up into LA where I was got in with the punk rock kids that's where you found the whole black flag x go goes yeah. yeah. underground punk scene just yeah, exploding at that time yeah at that time so I I started to go uh, on auditions to to bands, and so what I would do is I would find, I would you know look through like L.A. Weekly or the Music Connection, and it was at that time is how it went. There would be like an ad for singer needed, must love psychedelic furs, The Cure, Susie and the Banshees. Joy division. Joy division. Boom. So I would go off on those auditions. And I I ran into my first group, Psycom. Yeah. So we were kind of goth. Yeah. <laughs> kind of goth, uh, post-punk. That was 1982 was when I uh, put together my first group and recorded, I think it was 1983, it was um, $500. I got $500 together. We all did. And we recorded our first album in one day in Venice Beach. All live? Uh, no. no. Uh, we went to this place, Ethan James Studio in Venice Beach. And ve um, he was recording all the punk rock guys. You know, we'd get 500 bucks together, and Ethan would record us. And we had to do it all track everything in one day and um and then we would go to the record stores the punk rock store record stores indie record stores and we we give it you know we give you know whatever 12 records to them and then come back a couple see of weeks how many later sold and how yeah, many yeah, sold yeah. like so that's that was my first introduction into the record into the record business yeah <laughs> we were doing it ourselves then from there, that band broke up because everybody started going the way of Hare Krishna. I heard that, yeah. And yeah. I was going the way of Black Magic. Yeah. And get, They're like, you can't have sex. And you're like, I'm out. Yeah. Like, count me <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. So, great guys, though. And it was a really good bit. It was a great record. But when you're young, you're trying to find yourself. I don't think they're all into it anymore. Maybe maybe the guitar player was. He He got us all into it. He didn't get me into it per se, but I gave everything a try at that time. I studied comparative religion in those days. I've read every religion, you know, compared uh, theologically. Uh, wanted to know what where they were coming from. I was young and had time to 
figure my you know figure out where I wanted to go and so I read it and my band Psycom we were all we were kind of intellects we studied religion we read science fiction you know JG Ballard and he was a big hero of us of ours and um uh, you know, also Philip K. Dick and stuff Philip like that. Philip K. Yeah. Dick, exactly. Those kind of darker um, ideas, uh, dystopian ideas of the future, and um, and also, you know, uh, William S. Burroughs and Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley, yeah. and um, who was that fellow? Uh, 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 Charles Bukowski, of like, course, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like we we love to read, and we got into elements of science fiction, and you know, like I say, Bauhaus, and we're into the downtown um, punk scene. Was really all about it was the gay community, the um, art community, the music community. That's where. Uh, we were most comfortable. That was our our um, friends and uh, the antithesis know. of the Sunset Strip kind of rock star. Yeah, basically, right? Like, yes, the idea that you should just be an individual and an outsider, and maybe those outsiders all group together, and then a community starts to form and yeah. an alternative. Yeah, when that word you know truly meant something, it was a, yes. a yes. powerful force. Yeah, and they took me in, and I was really. Um, I felt very fortunate to be a part of that scene. There wasn't a lot of money in it, but there was a lot of fun and experience. And we were enriched with uh, culture and uh, ah. art. And, so, you know, that's where we were really rich. And I really felt that that's where we had the edge on everybody, you know. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
slash host. What was the name of that house that you used to live in? The Wilton House. The Wilton. So we had, at any given point, you know, there were six rooms to fill, and I was kind of the, oversaw the whole thing. Yeah. I found the location. So it was up to me to come up with rent every month. And um, I bet that was a fun task. Oh, <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> I mean, people would leave, yeah. come and go. And, of course, because really uh, I was trying to fill the house up with the intelligentsia and the art artists and the not always the most reliable the people they're not the most reliable always interesting but. and they're usually going to cause uh, a lot of uh, headaches chaos. and chaos <laughs> yeah. like we had one guy who was a musician brought in his girlfriend from from Phoenix and they were trying to make it as was Jane's addiction so we had built a um, rehearsal unit in the back where we were constantly getting problems and um, the neighbors were angry at us and they would call the cops and they would shut us down and we would wait a day or two but we had to rehearse so yeah. we tried to do it again and try to fortify the sound with egg cartons and carpet that we would get from dumpsters you know <laughs> and it wasn't working but um, um, where was I? Oh, yeah, so this one guy, he brought in his girlfriend from Phoenix, and she was, she raised animals, dogs. So she became a puppy mill. So the place became a puppy mill. And the puppies, he didn't want to open his door, so he kept it locked. But eventually he moved out, and uh, so I was able to see what was going on in his room. And it was an all wood floor, and it was a very old. The house was built in the 19, maybe 20s or 30s. It was where old Hollywood, they would put their actresses and actors. This place in Wil the Wilton area is uh, it's old Hollywood yeah. elephant. We call them elephant houses because they're big, and they go for a lot of money, but you can't sell them because nobody wants to live in the area. It's run down. Yeah. And so rich people don't really want to move in there. So the landlord, it was a, it was a brother, it was a brothers, two brothers. One of them was a cop, and he was pissed off when he found out that I was really a musician. I told him I was an interior decorator. Right, right, right. And then he found out there's all these maniacs living in his maniacs. house. Maniacs. <laughs> and so he'd come for the rent. Yeah. And he'd go, "What is going on?" And then I would say, well, you know, um, these are the people that are living here. So anyway, this one guy, all these dogs, they were really adorable dogs. But he had put um, newspaper down in his room. He had six dogs going. And they'd all peed on the, um, on the newspaper, but it saturated through, saturated onto the wood floor. And the wood floor was buckling. It was wow. buckling up from urine. <laughs> and he was so mad at me. He would show up with a pistol on his holster. He would show up to kind of like pat it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want to shoot you. Know you know there. I want to shoot you. But we have laws in L.A. where you can't let, you can't get people, you can't kick them out. If they're coming up with rent, 
can't kick him out. And he knew this, and he knew that I knew this. So he hated me. Was that the the seed, the birthplace of Jane's then? Was that kind of its That's where we started. Jane home. was living there. She was taking she was one, one of the of rooms. Them. Yeah, another room was Stuart Sweezy. He was the guy who uh, taught me how to put on shows and put shows on out in the desert. Yeah, yeah. The desolation centers. Yeah. Um, that that he was my roommate, as was Jane, as was um, 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 Eric Avery. Yeah. Moved in for a while. Yeah. Do you remember the first time he started rolling out those bass lines and you started kind of improvising and singing over it? Did you feel yeah. like you'd found? Yeah. Yeah. So a I was leaving. At that point? I wanted to bring in. I was frustrated with uh, Psycom because of what I told you that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the new direction. I just, you know, like, I'm for anybody living and let live. But I just thought it was very hypocritical. They were carrying their beads around, chanting all the time. Okay, you can even do that. Praying is good. But they were also running weapons. They are running weapons uh, out of... Philippines no chicks I can't abide by that and two you guys are hypocrites you're running weapons and you're trying to be godlike really if you want to draw God down from heaven you have to drop your weapons and pick up your plowshares that's what's supposed to happen so I I brought in Eric out of frustration to try to kind of break things up see if I can just break things up and get a fresh perspective but then I thought you know screw this it's I, I don't think I can do I don't think I can do it I can't go on so I started to perform with Eric with my delay unit yeah yeah and Eric just riffing doing just rocking grooves and then I he and I would do the first thing we ever we ever did together was a party out on some ranch, it was somebody's birthday party. So we went out there, just he and I, and I would, that was the first time that I was doing live looping. So I would just do, ah, the news, you know, a la Cocteau Twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like fairies from heaven, that voice sounds like, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. A la, um, uh, you know, the on you sound, uh, um, Prince Farai and Lee Scratch Perry and Mad Professor, you know, that whole dubbing. Yeah. That whole dubbing. Spacey uh, sounds, right? Spacey sounds that are also quite, quite, um, I don't want to say religious, but they're quite spiritual. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that's the first time we locked in. Do you link spirituality and experimentation together? Well, I think that you can absolutely say that music and spirituality, you know, they're spiritual songs. Yeah. And you can get people to a spiritual place to raise their spirits absolutely through music. And the, the drug side of it, was that important to you creatively or was that more just part of personal growth and the need and the want to go to different places and feel new feelings and... Well, the, I would say it was incidental. Yeah. Yeah, because there I was in Los Angeles, and those kids were messing around with 
really hard drugs. I mean, when I came into the city, I was um, hanging out at this house that I eventually ended up living in, and it was all musicians. Same thing that, but what we would do is the musicians would just find places where we could live. If somebody had an apartment, we would say, you know, can I stay at your place? We would kind of crash on each other's couches and stuff, but then if you can find a house, oh, that was like, you know, that was the life for, you know? Yeah. Wow, you you mean we can keep our equipment in the garage and even practice in the garage and uh, we have a place to, to stay and make um, whatever, bowls of cereal in the morning, <laughs> keep our milk in a refrigerator. So that was wonderful. Well, you're asking about drugs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, you know... But there's always a cast of characters there, right? There's always a revolving door of... Yeah. So, 1984 in Los Angeles, that's when they were starting to bring crack in. Uh, You know, Oliver North and his uh, trading with... um, Was it the Nicaraguans? And the uh, El Salvadorians were all bringing in, trading drugs for weapons and 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 money, and um, and that was all exploding in Los Angeles. And so we had that, and then when of course you have down in Mexico, Chiva and tar heroin. Um, so the musicians. We were all uh, we were all shooting speed balls, and they were doing speed. They were doing a lot of speed. I remember. Um, do, you, do you know the group Flipper? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I remember that this kid came down from Flipper, and he was trying to move a bunch of speed. He stayed at my house. You know, it was one of my roommates, uh, D H Pelegro, the drummer for the. Um, uh, the drummer for um, it's Hollywood in Co- Hollywood in Cambodia. Oh, Dead Kennedys. Dead Kennedys. He's Dead Kennedys drummer. So these cats were coming down from there, and then yeah, like our thing was. It was just rife, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and plus I looked up to, and I you know looked up to. As we said, people like Burroughs, as we were saying earlier. and Burroughs and Lou Reed. Yeah. And so it was almost like we felt that it was a rites of passage mm-hmm. to be a musician, to go through it and, and understand it and, um, and write, write on it and, and get... And, you know, there was Jim Morrison before me. Of course, yeah. And there was... There was uh, the Germs and... Uh, Darby Crash, yeah. Darby Crash. And so those those men were my heroes. There was a lot of casualties, and you've always managed to come through the storm. Do you think that well, comes I from did. a place of self-discipline and restraint? or? Well, I'm very fortunate. I can't say that I was very restrained... Um, very, I would say I'm a very fortunate person. 
And, you know, this is something that I've learned I'll pass on to you because it's an interesting aspect. This is mysticism. They say that um, in life, you know, you have to overcome something. We all have our things to overcome, whether it be bulimia or alcoholism or drug addiction, right, or eating disorder or sexual addiction. They say, the mystics say that it will take you 40 years to overcome it. So don't be disheartened. Don't feel too bad if you're still struggling, you know, and you're maybe 30 years old and you got into it in your 20s. You really to naturally go through it. So I, I'll tell, tell you I'm 60 years old now. So it's you look amazing for it, by you. the way, man. So it's kind of easy for me because those years are just behind me. And but, if you can live through those still, years. still, yeah. But I, I am not, I'm not 100% sober, but I'm just very much into living and the things that I want to go about doing and accomplishing. I simply can't do it now at 60 yeah. like I could when I was in my 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. I just can't do it. So I have to make my decision. And my decision is I love what I'm doing so much that it, um, see, a part of it was I really enjoyed ducking out more than I enjoyed the world and seeing what was, what I had to face out there. Because I would get disheartened and overwhelmed. Um, that's all excuses, right? But I'm just letting you know, I'm not as uh, amazing as you might think. It's taken me 60 years. <laughs> but um, it's, it's uh, looking back, uh, it's, it's to be expected. It takes a long time before you can overcome what, what's been biting you, you know? Looking back, I mean, it's been such, such an incredible journey. Um, so many amazing experiences. Do you have a one thing, whether it's a moment or a, you know an accomplishment that you're the most proud of that's really you know, gone into defining your sense of purpose well, and happiness? two things. One is going to Sudan and uh, being able to free people and bring music to them and bring them back to their village. And then, then um, writing songs that lift people's spirits, and then Lollapalooza, being able to uh, organize all of us, and specifically uh, and especially the young, the younger musicians, and give them touring route and an audience. And then giving that audience, my friends that are the artists and the musicians. In some of the best bands of all time. Yes. And also the, the wealth and the range of information which you would share at those festivals. You know, nothing was not allowed on site. And I love that. Like you would have, you know, people of different political backgrounds and opinions being given a platform yeah. to discuss ideas yeah. rather than just only the left are allowed, cut out the right. You yeah. know, and I love that about that school of thought that all discourse should be welcomed 
and like we were saying right at the start of the conversation you you hash it out and you converse rather than just censor right and go no i won't listen because i disagree right so this is something fun and interesting it's more mysticism so they say in the time of um as we cross the messianic threshold um, heaven will come down and we will live god will live amongst man man will live amongst god and we will all come to know god equally so that we is very important word in that in that conversation and um all coming to know god equally so that means to me that you're not you're not looking to point fingers and push people away you're looking to include you're looking to educate people and then you're looking for god to come down in that regard so you're looking to bring people together because it doesn't say a small people will bring it down it says the entire world will come to know god equally so you have to operate on that premise that we're going to we're going to all start to know god be- better understand god better and from a different place we'll start to understand god from there's a spot in your heart it's called the panemius it's the innermost dimension of your heart. And so a lot of people try to understand God from their head. And I don't think they get it quite because they're not thinking through their panemius. But if they can start thinking and try hard to think through, through your panemius, through the inner, inner, innermost part of your heart, you'll start to understand God from a different perspective that will, I think, lead you to understanding that uh, we're all brothers and sisters and God's waiting for everybody to get it. To connect together with stronger. And there'll be a certain amount of people that won't and then those people will perish. But the rest of us, which are the meek, will inherit the earth. Perry, I could talk to you all day. Um, Thank you so much for giving up your time and talking to me. I think uh, I enjoyed the conversation very much. Oh, thank you, man. And thank you for all the amazing art and music. And um, the new album sounds amazing. And I'm looking forward to coming to see the show this weekend. And uh, Thanks. I'm glad you'll be there. Good luck with with your life and the rest of your journey. Thank you. Happy to be be here in uh, England. I'll tell you a funny one. um, We'll leave it at this. So, you know, I, I came in here. I wanted to so much to play the festivals, but I f- screwed up on the festivals. I would come in here and I would lose my voice because, honestly, I would be partying. And then I'd come across and, I, and I, my voice would cut out. And so I had to cancel. So I canceled I two big shows. Happened with that red end. Yeah. happened. So I, this year, I have now kind of heaven material. I went to them again, like, hey, I'm ready to come. And they're like, well, we think we're going in a different direction. And they didn't book me. They wouldn't book me. But now I'm, I'm cool. Like, I can do it. So I, I booked in the box so I can. I wanted to set it up a little different anyway. So I'm doing um, Two nights residencies. There, right? yeah, yeah, residencies, which I wanted to do anyway. But it's Then you funny, can turn right? it into Perryland, right? You can make yes. it a full-on alternative yeah. dimension. And then maybe next year they'll give me a chance again (laughs) (laughs) my brother thank you so much dude thank you take care
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.